have we got anything else that we want to discuss so that I can forget it while we're doing the episode and someone can <laughs> correct me? Um, I can't. I can't think of any news stuff. I mean, there will have been news, but I think the big one is the it's like the wizard stuff, right? I don't think there's been any. Yeah, they've announced a new D and D source, but it's not really interesting. It's not even worth really talking about that much. Uh, <laughs> no, that not, a, not in a bad way. It's just yeah. it's literally just a, a name. Is it that one? Yeah, Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. Yeah. Um, which I'm, it's I'm a beloved setting. About, it is. Uh, I've never played in Ra- uh, like uh, I've never done any games in Ravenloft at all. Yes, you have. Oh, have I? <laughs> yeah, one of the crossovers was in Ravenloft. It just what it just it just didn't refer to it as Ravenloft. Do you know when you went to the desert in the first crossover? Right. Okay. So I did not realize that. Setting. Ah. There you go. It's not tabletop gaming news, but the other thing we could mention is that they're finally doing Diamond and Pearl remakes for Pokemon. I am not excited about that at all. No, I am. I'm. I'm so. I know you're a big. It. You're big into it. Yeah. And you love your pokies do, and your mons. Yeah, they're also doing the um, a big open world prequel set in Sinnoh. That is going to be good. Ooh. Oh, okay. So that like, it's been described as like um, Pokemon's Breath of the Wild. I was just about to say, if they'd give it the Breath of the Wild, I, I have been yeah. glued to that this week. Yeah. Why have I not played that yet <laughs> until now? I, I got it and I played like four hours and I was like... Overrated. Oh. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I wasn't. I was. I'm not. A, like, I didn't grow up with Zelda, so I did play a bit, but it didn't grab me the way it did. Like Josh and Charlotte. Charlotte. Charlotte's massive on Zelda. Yeah, I, I'll say this right. Um, this isn't a criticism of it. This is just like an observation. It doesn't feel like a Zelda game. In a way, it feels like. Uh, it feels like a Zelda mod for Red Dead Redemption. If that mm, makes okay. sense. Um, yeah, I can see what you mean. It, it's cl- certainly closer in terms, in tone, not tone, but it's feeling. You know what I mean? Like it's closer Just Zelda to Zelda the... with six shooters. Well, Link, well it, it, it feels it feels closer to like Grand Theft Auto and. Um, uh, and Red Dead mm-hmm. than it does to like Zelda games. Not purely. No, no, I, I vividly remember the bit where Link pulls over the car and drags the yeah, guy out with a bow and arrow. See, I, I, see, I fucking knew. I fucking knew you were gonna do that, right? That's not what I meant. You knew that's not what I meant. Is it just loving the God fucking damn it, Link, tra- Link trying to fight like all these like crazy hill people. <laughs> It's like tears as all these inbred monsters run at him in waves. Josh was just playing like a, a Grand Theft Auto mod with like a Link costume in it or something. It's like, wow, this new Breath of the Wild's crazy, man. We haven't even started the episode! <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast. You are joined by your usual hosts here, Ben Porter. Hello. Tom Mannering. Hello. And myself, Josh Hartley. Uh, so, yeah, Tom, how, how have you been this week? I've been good, thank you. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been busy. Uh, I I was sans internet at the start of the week, so uh, I got a chance to to play some card games uh, solo because of lockdown. Uh, so I had uh, a couple of days of hardcore solo card play action um, nice and uh other than that i'm, I'm, I'm just yeah. imagining you having like two like two days in your flat like leonardo dicaprio in the beach like that, that kind of <laughs> just like my clothes get more tattered and like i got a bit of bit of a beard on the go he's acting like a <laughs> snake you yeah. know <laughs> It, do you know it was weird? Like it's it's the first time during lockdown my internet's gone down for like more than maybe half an hour, and it's it's scary how reliant you you are on the internet in 
especially in lockdown, I think. I, I had mm. to drag DVDs out of my cupboard and stuff, and like, it was really oh, scraping the bottom, of the bottom of the barrel for content, uh, for stuff to Filling do. Filling the DVD uh, player up with coal and all that. <laughs> Stoking <laughs> the fire. <laughs> Turning the DVD wheel. No, it was, uh, it was, it was good, though. I'm good. Sorry, I've really... Uh, Really dragged out my answer to that question. <laughs> By all means, continue. Uh, we, we, so it was Marvel Champions you were you were playing, right? It was, yeah. So I've I've been sort of buying Marvel Champions across lockdown and having no one to play it with. And I'm not really a big solo game player. Um, my card game and board game hobby involves other people. But I thought, Do you know what? Like this is sitting gathering dust, and I've spent <laughs> amounts of money on all this, uh, and I feel like mm. I should probably give it a go. So I set myself a wee a wee challenge um, to basically play through all the villain decks, uh, and my I, I set like a little campaign mode for myself where I was like, right, I'll play the same hero until that hero gets beat, and then I'll swap that deck out and use a new hero deck and continue with that until that hero gets beat, and so on and so forth. Um, all right, nice. So I've been enjoying it. Yeah, I've, uh, I'm about halfway through so far, so I've still got a ways to go. Cool. Uh, and you've got your internet back now, obviously, because you're talking to us right now. So no, I just got a really big megaphone outside my flat. <laughs> I, I, cue cue this moment for someone to just say that wouldn't be a problem for me. I would just open my window and people would hear my voice across Glasgow. He's doing self burns now, Ben. We don't even need to. We don't need to make the effort. I know. Kind of I'm, I'm, I'm removing the sport from it. It really is. Hope, hopefully, hopefully that'll make it less fun for you. Just gagging yourself and falling down on the floor. We don't even need to make any chase anymore. <laughs> uh, anyway, Ben, how has your week been? Yeah, my week's been been good. Um, I was I was out on site. Uh, yeah, um, Thursday. Uh, mm-hmm. So that that was kind of weird, <laughs> like be, being outside in the world again. But other than that, I've been carrying on with various painting projects. Um, not been I've not done much gaming at all outside of uh, occasionally playing uh, No Man's Sky on my Xbox. Oh um, yeah, how is that? It's good. It, it, it kind of hits a similar, some similar notes to Animal Crossing, where um, it's a phenomenal game, you know, with the procedurally generated worlds and all that. But I feel like because we're all locked down, like I, I'm really gravitating towards like open world exploration games mm. more. Um, and you know, like in, in No Man's Sky, you know, I'd, I'll just like wander off into the wild and like, look at the nice vistas because. Uh, I, can't do I remember the outside world of Mars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like it used to be. I know, ha- having a wee picnic there. Of course, uh, big world news is that the uh, the Perseverance recently landed on on Mars as well, didn't oh, it? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I saw uh, the footage uh, for that. It was really cool. Apparently, cost less money than an HS Track and Trace. Let let that yeah. sink in. What's a HS yeah. track and trace? NHS, NHS track and trace. Oh, NHS, sorry. Yeah. I was trying to figure out what that was, so I was like, what's HS? HS track and trace. Yeah. How are you, Josh? I'm good. Um, I As as I said before uh, we started recording the episode, my uh, I have been glued to... Um, I appreciate I am, like, four years too late, but I've been glued to Breath of the Wild on my Switch. I got... My mum and dad got it for me for Christmas, uh, so I've just been, I just started it uh, the other week, and my god, I'm loving it. Uh, similarly to, to you, Ben, I've been, I haven't really been doing any of the story at all, I've just been exploring the world. Like, one of my favourite things to do is just, like, go, f- I'll, I'll see a mountain and go, I'm going to climb that, and just go up to the top and appreciate the view. Rob my- a few banks, a couple of heists, steal a few cars, you know, just... Really, really See, I mean, so just to punish you, I'm not going to include any of the conversation that we had before, so that that joke is completely lost I'll on take our it. listeners. I'll take the hit because so. you know Josh, and that's what matters. <laughs> I, I, I have I have been playing a lot of Red Dead Redemption during lockdown as well, and again, like mm. for similar reasons. 
Um, I mean, like I, I, I love that game already, but just being able to, like, say, wander up a mountain when you can't really do that, it's. it's it is, nice, it is quite know? therapeutic, and I've, I've been playing a, an MMO, which is obviously open world as well, and it's, it's the same. Although I'm playing the, the Final Fantasy MMO, which is mm-hmm. a, a very much a mileage may vary kind of game. Uh, and I'm at this bit between expansions at the moment, and it's like the the political machinations of the Phantom Menace levels of interesting, you know, where there's lots of people talking about trade deals and things like that. And I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was talking I to Ryan. And I said this is a, can this be is... like that in in general, though. You know, where it it swings between being really compelling and being thoroughly boring. <laughs> I like that. I, I hope, like, on the next Final Fantasy game, you know, when they do, like, the line from, like, a, a newspaper or something, it's, like, swings between being very, very compelling to thoroughly boring Ben yeah, Porter. <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's a game series I've never really got into. How dare you say? It's just... Like, the, the, the deepest JRPG I'll go is Pokemon. Like, and that's it. It's, like... Uh, I'm out after that. <laughs> I thought it's... it's- Pokemon a JRPG? Would you say? I mean, I know it's it, Japanese in in origin. But... Well, it, it's 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 turn based combat based on stats. So, uh, I wouldn't uh, really say it's, a, it's not really a JRPG. Um, I mean, it's a JRPG insofar as it's an RPG that's come out of Japan. But I feel like I don't think people necessarily think about it being specifically Japanese, and certainly like. You know, maybe like the first one, but like over time, it's involved. It's evolved into very much, uh, uh, I think, uh, an international series. All right. Fair enough. I I don't play JRPGs then <laughs> <laughs> at all. I'm done with them. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. Should we uh, Should we talk about something that's not computer games? Yeah, we're a tabletop gaming podcast. Yeah, if you want, we can yeah. do that. <laughs> We've got. Um, <laughs> We have, like, big news to talk about with regards to Wizards of the Coast and various announcements that have come out from them. But before we dive into any of that, um, we've got some uh, listener comments to shout out. So, these are from previous episodes, and they're both from... If my Facebook will load and behave itself... They're both from Andrew Paul. So hi Andrew, thanks for thanks for listening and uh, and uh, uh, sharing your comments with us. So on the issue of um, actually we'll start, the delivery there. <laughs> shut up. Um, we'll start with we'll start with this one. So on the issue, we we spoke about briefly about Warhammer Historical a few episodes back. And uh, Andrew has commented on this episode. Warhammer Historical came along much later than uh, Warhammer Fantasy Battles. Uh, The Warhammer Ancient Battles rules were 5th edition Warhammer Fantasy without wizards or orcs. Um, The reason we had the Empire, Norska and Bretonnia was that Citadel miniatures made ranges of historical miniatures before they merged with Games Workshop. Uh, that's true, actually. I think we like we always think of like Citadel and Games Workshop being one and the same, but there was I don't know when they merged, but there was a period in certainly in the eighties where they were actually two separate companies. Because yeah, you had um, you also had Marauder producing miniatures for Games Workshop. Yeah, and that's right. Smaller so. companies as well. Um, their old Thirty Year War, uh, Hundred Years uh, War, and Vikings ranges were incorporated directly into Warhammer Fantasy 3rd Edition and are still game, uh, sold by Wargames Foundry. I checked out Wargames Foundry and seeing these old miniatures is a trip. Um, I'm not going to say they look better than uh, modern sculpts because they don't, but they've got loads of character to them. Um, partic- I, I, I particularly like anything that the Perry Twins did. Do you, do you do you feel that with those sorts of miniatures though that you you need to have had some sort of previous connection with them to appreciate them? I could completely believe that would be the case because uh, I I remember them from when I was a kid 
and when I was getting yeah. into Warhammer. Um, I've got that being said, I've got some really old like lead minis that I use in my Undead Army from Eighth Edition, and I love them. They're like some of my favorite minis, and they were before my time. Um, I think nostalgia certainly plays a, a part in those. Old yeah, models. a huge part. Um, for for you know people of all levels. When I <clears throat> excuse me, when I started forty um, k, uh, I got given some really old models uh, from a friend of a friend or something like that, and it was like a really one of the old like first ever space space marine metal sculpts. Oh, like and the I, rogue trader space like marines. that era of stuff. Yeah, yeah. and I, I had no the context for helmets. this model. Yeah, 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 and I had no context for it, and I. Th- it was terrible because I just didn't have the, the nostalgia for it. And like you look at like you know the old second edition plastic space breeds, and they're not great by modern standards. Um, and I thought that was like you know that was perfection compared to this like you know really dumpy, like out of proportion space marine with like a giant hand in the air. And yeah. <laughs> so I do think mm-hmm. nostalgia plays a part in that for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Uh, and Andrew then goes on to say uh, there are rules for Nippon and Cathay allied uh, contingents in the third edition of Warhammer Fantasy again using older historical samurai and ninja rangers and there were miniatures uh, for uh, food dog cavalry and rocket launchers as well so it will be interesting to see if they touch on it uh, what what sort of influences they bring for Warhammer the Old World um It'll, it'll be interesting to see if they go back to that sort of stuff. Food dogs would be really cool. I I really like the the aesthetic of like food dogs and like the kind of food lions. I think that'd be awesome to have yeah. a, a cavalry army of that. Exactly for sure. There's also a character in the novel Beasts in Velvet who's from Cathay, which has an interesting twist on the way chaos is interpreted. Um, I had. I, I will confess I do not read any of the Black Library books like at all, so that I, that is lost on me. I'm afraid, Andrew, but that's uh, that's cool to know. I mean, like I knew that Cathay, I knew that there was law written about Cathay, but in terms of the game, it was basically just a point on the map that we never really went to, right? Yeah, it's a bit like um, to to go back to. Video games again. It's a bit like um, your skyboxes and such in video games, where you've got all this additional stuff in the background, and and that that's what it is. It's just backdrop for for where the actual story's happening. And the old world was full of stuff like that. You had like the kingdoms of End, the Lost Isles of Elithus, all these places that are mentioned, and they're just that. Um, like like George R R Martin talks about it, um, where you get world building like Tolkien where mm-hmm. he went and created his own language and created lineages for all of his characters and all that. Um, but, but George R. R. Martin describes his own kind of world building as a sort of cheating. because He, he just sort of builds all this stuff on the surface and there's this implied depth and history to everything that he doesn't need to go into, but there's a suggestion of it. And you know, similar. I think you had something similar with the old world, where it had all this stuff mapped out that wasn't really mapped out. It was just like a corner of the map with a name on it, and they would talk about, oh yeah, there's like boogeymen or stuff happening here, but this is where yeah. the action is. I think that was one of the strengths of of Black Library back in the old world, because like Albion was a place that existed and was kind of alluded to a few times, and they never really explored it. But then like they'd give it to a certain author and I think there was a Gotrix and Felix novel set in Albion um, and there were a couple of other bits and pieces that touched on it um, and you'd have to kind of almost piece it together if, if you were a fan of the setting to get the full picture of the old world you'd have to kind of draw that in um, which is a it, because you've got something that not one person makes so like with Tolkien stuff initially it was all Tolkien's construction same with like um, Martin's stuff as well whereas the old world is is more a patchwork almost of different sure. different creators so contributing it's been built over several decades, right? By yeah, all these different people. Well, that's a, that's an interesting take on it. I, I think that the big downside of that way of world building is that uh, particularly when you have multiple contributors to it, 
Like you're gonna get inconsistencies. Oh yeah. It's it's just gonna happen, and then you, you'll you'll have uh, over enthused fans, maybe like ourselves, debating on what is actually the the real law and what is not. Yeah, I mean, it's exactly what happened with Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that that's why you, I mean, like Star Wars is a great comparison, right? Because both like in uh, in the old world for Warhammer Fantasy, in Star Wars, and in Forty K. Because they've been built over decades by several different authors, there's so much retconning happens. Yeah. Yep. Because you remember, like back in back in ye olde times, I think like the the old world was actually supposed to be situated in the Eye of Terror in Forty K. Yeah, yeah, they were supposed to be like linked. Yeah, somehow. and you could, which is like, just dumb, right? I can't, I can't <laughs> remember if it was like a novel or a role-playing adventure or something, but there was something semi-official that had like a a, a spaceship crash on the old world and like it, a uh, plane um, get out of it. That's something. that's that's not that's not an old thing, by the way. There was stuff in the end times that alluded to it. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, yeah. There's a, there's, I, a bit, there's a bit in the end times. I can't remember which book it is, but it describes. A warrior in silver armor, um, who was, and the I can't remember the description he used, but he's basically using like a, a um, bolt pistol. Bolt gun. Bolt this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, something like that, and it's um, people think that it was uh, Drago. All oh, right. I don't like I I I don't know why people would want that to be a thing though, like. Just, just have them as two completely different settings. <laughs> like, but but you, you can't, you can't though, because there's demon characters that appear in both. So they yeah, are. Yeah, that, that I, Well, this is this is where that all comes from. If you go back to um, the the first like chaos books, they were compatible with both systems, mm-hmm. which is like really weird. But um, but yeah, I think that's that. A lot of it is rooted in like chaos being common to both settings, right? Yeah, like yeah. back in back in ye olde times, it was the both settings were a lot more Gonzo, and like you had, I think Blood Bowl was officially part of the Warhammer setting at one point. It wasn't now its own universe. Yeah, now it's been detached because obviously it's a lot more comical and uh, and ridiculous. Um, but it was part of it at one point in time, and it, yeah, they've done a they've done a lot to sort of <laughs> make it a little less ridiculous, uh, yeah, in so much as they can. So, um, Andy has uh, also posted on da, 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 um, the episode where we're talking about armies that we love to hate. Right? Yeah. I played High Elves since fourth edition. And I must have been crapped. Tom's face. I, I spent five editions getting kicked up and down the table by dwarfs. Always strike first with the great weapon was good, but toughness three and a five plus save wasn't conductive to getting them in a position to strike at all. Now, I'm going to admit something here, because for a hot second when we were discussing this, I contemplated putting dwarfs in as my army that I love to hate. Not because of the army overall, right? But I think we've all played a dwarf gunline army. Be- is it because of a certain group of miners that kept mugging off your black coach? That's reason number two. Reason <laughs> number one. <laughs> reason number one is the dwarf gunline. But I, I didn't because, frankly... There's so many different armies that have uh, a problematic build to them. And it's like, a fair point, right? Because there's a lot of people that hate on an army and they say this book's terrible, it needs to get completely rewritten. It's like, no, the problem you have is with a specific build. Mm-hmm. It's not that there's anything inherently wrong with that book. And the, the problem is that all these things are accelerated by the internet, right? Because information travels so quickly now. Uh, people are aggregating data, not just from, like, you know, games that, you know, are carried out in the club that's held at the town hall. It, it, it's games all over the planet. And, and unfortunately, it does mean that, that 
people can be a little bit more lazy that they can just drag and drop lists so you tend to find that you know these these nasty lists rise to the top so we've said before on episodes josh that metas don't actually form generally speaking around stuff that's necessarily busted it's stuff that's easy to use yeah and like i i think we can both agree like the the dwarf artillery gun line is not a difficult army to play right no. Like you just you just sit in the backfield and blast them. <laughs> That's it. No, it's yeah, yeah. it's the, there's there's zero strategy in it, right? And it's like you stand as far back as possible, make your facing as small as possible, and then you just blaze away. That's yeah. it was horrible. It was horrible. But on to point number two, right? The the worst thing about it is those miners shouldn't have been killing the black coach. <laughs> like I'm like, you, you always made, like, some sort of ridiculous charge to actually get into it in the first place. And then even at that point, it's it's, it's not exactly, like, a, 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 a given that you're going to beat that thing. But every flipping time. Every, every time, man. Yeah. yeah. Some uh, impressive self-censor in there, Josh. Oh, yeah. Um... I don't know why I did that. Like I, I would just censor it anyway. But uh, I like I like yeah. to imagine the the leader of that minor unit being a bit like you know like a dwarf hand solo. He just always shouts, "Never tell me the odds!" As he revs up his, <laughs> his drill and charges in. The thing is with like the black coach, it's if I remember rightly, it's it's kind of a shock factor unit. Like it, it wants to kind of hit the unit itself. It's a shock. It's a shock co- unit. But if you remember, Tom, the problem it had is it takes a bit of time to wind up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you've got a swarm of dwarf pickaxe wielding mother effers, diving all over yourself, following your example, diving all over it, you know, before it's it's got that momentum. Um, game over yeah i mean it's the fact that the the dwarfs the the miners could just pop up and like <laughs> grab it like wherever it was on the battlefield i loved how yeah. like ridiculously quickly the dwarf miners like could could mine across the battlefield it's yeah it takes, it takes weeks you know to to mine and they're like <laughs> yeah pneumatic no, drilling no. through it, it's not that they do it quickly, it's that they are the master planners. Like, yeah. they've been digging that spot, like, for weeks before the battle, and then it's just, like, just as planned. It, Come it out seemed, at the right seemed, spot. It all sounds quite comical, but history nerd that I am, let's see if you actually study and look at a lot of sieges throughout history. Armies used miners a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sap, well, sap is, like, a, a yeah, big yeah, thing yeah, in yeah, history, yeah. right? So, um... So, I didn't. I didn't put dwarfs forward because, like I said, um, personal experience with Ben's miners uh, isn't basis for like saying an entire <laughs> army is bad, and neither neither is a singular build because, like, I, I, again, just thinking of why I'm a fantasy, like you could do the zombie horde vampire counts army, which was miserable to play against. That doesn't mean vampire counts as a whole was bad. The worst thing about the zombie horde army, which, in case the name doesn't imply, was maxing out the number of zombie units you had. Uh, it wasn't even good. Like it was just, it was just not fun. <laughs> like, um, but uh, the, like, the other like thing, a, like a game called Zombies, funnily enough. No, uh, that's that's two episodes on the trot. We've brought that game up. If we say it a third time, it's going to pop up in front of us and make us play it. So I'm, I'm surprised <laughs> they don't get royal. We don't get royalties from them at this point. You know, we mention it enough. I was really surprised when we went to uh, one of the gaming conventions that had a bring and buy, and I took my copies of Zombies, and I was like, "This isn't going to sell." And I got there at the end, and it had gone. So some some poor hey. unfortunate soul <laughs> received a copy of Zombies as a gift or something. Yeah, yeah. You'll enjoy this little Jimmy. <laughs> little Jimmy's yeah. a broken, it's a bit, it's a broken like a man. Vampire, isn't it? You have to invite it into your house for it to destroy you. you know? It's like it's like the ring. Like when you open it, it's just like seven days. <laughs> a game will take you seven days. <laughs> I mean, we're, by the end of playing that game of zombies, we all look like victims from the ring with our jaws like wide open. Just uh, <laughs> when will it end? <laughs> 
anyway, the, the the second point I wanted to to make to Andrew was I think specifically we were talking about eighth edition high elves, like their new uh, their their shiny book, courtesy of uh, Mister Matt Ward himself, um, was pretty horrible. <laughs> yes. Uh, famously, Bell of Lost Souls gave it four stars and said that they took a whole star off for the banner of the world dragon. Which which sounds overdramatic until you play a game against someone using banner of the world dragon. It was. So, I've, I I recently sold a bunch of my my Warhammer Fantasy books, so I don't have it to hand. But it it was it was a magic item. I think it was something like 100 points. You put it on uh, a battle standard bearer and it effectively made the unit immune to magic and fire. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Cool. Yep. But the, the woes didn't stop there because if you remember, it was that book where they got the Frostheart Phoenix. Yep. <laughs> and the Frostheart Phoenix had that horrible passive ability where it reduced the strength of units it was in base contact with. So you, you, you could so easily make a, a unit of high elves unkillable and what everyone did was they stuck it on a unit of dragon princes or silver helms and it was horrible. And they would put mm-hmm. they would put um characters all along the front row. So that you had to yeah. fight the characters. It was so busted. It was awful. It was absolutely awful. They had they had so much stuff. I mean the swordmasters were really the you know, they they were the, the the last the least of your concerns when you look at stuff like the the banner mm-hmm. and the phoenixes and the their yeah. their casters as well. They were they were redonk at magic and it just I, I hated them. And you see them all the time. Like that was that was peak when I worked at Games Workshop and kids had come in and be like, "What war am I doing? Hi, elves, get out!" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, for some reason, you put lizard men in above them. I did, I did, because I feel like I've <laughs> given the elves a bad time recently. You know, <laughs> yeah, gotta gotta come a bit. Of I, I can I can see where you're driving at with that, Tom, because the the, the lizard men, maybe not so much in Age Age of Sigmar, but there were times in the old world they felt kind of like a square <laughs> peg in a round hole. Mm-hmm. Whereas like the the high the high elves, they still look pretty cool, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, li- lizard men was a bit like that moment in Sesame Street where they would sing one of these things is not like the other thing. One of these things is not quite the same. There's just like a gormless looking skink there next to like all these classical fantasy <laughs> stuff. Uh, but uh, and, and Andrew, thanks very much for uh, for commenting and yeah. So we, you... we hope that answered your uh, your question, there, Andrew. Thanks. For... <laughs> <laughs> As we segue on to like three different subject matters, what was hey, what was he asking? Uh, <laughs> he wasn't. He, to be fair, he wasn't asking questions. He he was commenting, and I think it's it's nice to respond. So. You know, thanks for that. And uh, you know, if if you or indeed if any of you listeners want to uh, share your thoughts on things we discuss, by all means, we can and we can discuss them and like get driven off topic by other things while we're doing that in future episodes. So do you think? Do you think Josh are. is going to make like off the back of that? He's going to make fake accounts and be like, "I think you should be nicer to Josh. He seems like such a sweet young man." <laughs> Tom and Ben are such assholes. Why are they so mean to Josh? He's so knowledgeable and handsome. Here's the thing: if if someone genuinely actually came along and said that, not even I would believe it was a real account. Like, like, like I'd be like, all right, who's at it? Like, what make it even better is it'd be like Josh, but with a H after the J or something as the username. Oh my god. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Huge Ass. Anyway, anyway, should we, should we get on to the the big bit of news from this week uh, concerning sure. concerning Wizards of the Coast? So uh, Hasbro had a big investors meeting this week, and we've got a few big items of news from uh, Wizards of the Coast. Uh, should we start with the Magic the Gathering stuff? Uh, namely the crossovers that they're planning. Sure. 
I mean, I'm asking permission, but oh, like, no. if you said, if you said, if, if if you said no, then it's kind of all right. Guess we're done with the episode. <laughs> It'd so. be the weirdest episode. You, you're like, should we start with this? Nah, no, nah, I think we're, nah, we're good yeah. actually. I, I object. <laughs> right. Anyway, so in recent years, we have seen uh, uh, Wizards of the Coast print cards themed around other IPs that are not. Uh, Magic the Gathering. So we've had My Little Pony, we've had Boo. Godzilla, we've had uh, most controversially The Walking Dead, which. Hey. Well, I mean, you like you, you can like the show, but I think as an IP, it doesn't really fit Magic the Gathering. Well, and My Little Pony does. I think it fits better. My it, Little I'm Pony not, doesn't I, belong anywhere, right? Get on with the segment. <laughs> Get on with the segment. Uh, so, uh, the uh, Wizards have announced that we have got... Uh, oh, 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 sorry, uh, we've got the future uh, set set in the uh, Dungeons & Dragons Forgotten Realms as well. That's coming up. But uh, Wizards of the... Yeah, I, I can see that working. That Wizards of the sense, right? Yeah. Wizards of the Coast have announced uh, two new IPs that they are going to be doing crossovers for. We are going to get a a set of cards based in Lord of the Rings, uh, in Middle-earth, basically, but the the set is going to be called Lord of the Rings. Uh, And we are also going to get some products set in the Warhammer 40,000 universe. We are getting Grimdark Magic the Gathering. Yep. Can I I just say, I I think the Middle-earth stuff's quite cool. That sounds quite yeah, cool. especially I, I, especially if they see if they used like um, Alan Lee or John Howard. I mean that that would be, that would be right. Cool. That yeah. would be really awesome. Um, I disagree. Yeah, the the Lord of the Rings announcement is get out, really Tom, the, get out now. <laughs> the most timid disagreement ever. You to agree, like no. <laughs> I, I I I I'm not saying I'm wild about it, but I. I I, you know, I, I, I will think say, it's fine. I would say, like, of all the crossovers they've done, that I think the Middle Earth one probably makes the most sense. I, I put it second to Forgotten Realms. No, no, I, I think it makes the most sense because it's fantasy, but it's the foundation of modern fantasy, right? And you've got mm-hmm. all of that, like I, I mean, I would go as far as to say, like a lot of the the old Lord of the Rings art, you know, you could put it in. It's like, it's almost like classic art now. Stuff's iconic. Yeah, I think my my issue with the Lord of the Rings one before we move on to forty k because that's going to be its its own thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, think, I think we all agree on forty k, right? Yeah, Lord of the Rings is a very although it is awesome, very it is is awesome. I love Lord of the Rings, right? I'm not I'm not quarrelling that. Ben, stop interrupting when you don't have the floor. (laughs) (laughs) Says Josh. (laughs) Um, So it's for me. I've always seen Lord Lord of the Rings as quite a low magic setting. So like, while there is there is magic in it, it's quite mild and it's sort of Mm. very in the background kind of thing. You don't see even the RPG kind of reflects that, right? Yeah, right, exactly, and. I, I can't get my head around the idea of how does the magic system of having these these elements, oh, okay. as yeah, you will, fair. sort of yeah. factor into that. Like, why why am I tapping planes to summon Aragorn or you know mountains to summon Boromir? What I don't know how they're gonna how they're gonna bring it in, but that I can't get those two. There's there's a, a disconnect for me between how those work much like with the walking dead set to be honest like why am i tapping swamps to bring in a dude with a baseball bat you know it's just it, there's there's a disconnect in that um, and and the other side of it is lord of the rings has actually had really good card games in its own right That's decipher true. did a, a did an point. awesome lord of the rings card games in like the the late 90s and the early noughties um Fans which Flight i one's really good too yeah so, so mm-hmm. it just seems like an unnecessary boltom for me that that's just my it's my take on it if you like it fair yeah I, I i mean like i'll 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 save my thoughts on uh on this for after we just 
torn apart the idea of 40k <laughs> Magic the Gathering <laughs> because like I I, I, I have a, a particular feeling just about using IPs like other IPs in general for Magic the Gathering but I, um, I guess I guess like the you know, like the, these sorts of things, like they they require a degree of like a sort of suspension of your disbelief, right? That I think if you're just thinking, well, it's a collector's item, then it's fine. And and uh, albeit the you know Middle Earth is generally quite a low magic setting, you do have characters like Smaug the Terrible, the Witch King of Angmar. Mm-hmm. You know, they they you that that they could plug in, I think, to a, a game like. Uh, like Magic the Gathering, mm-hmm. I, I think reasonably well, but I think ultimately for me it's like a, it's a collector's piece, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I, I I think it'll be a missed opportunity if they don't use the artwork of like Alan Lee or John Howe, because I mean that it would be awesome to have a little thing like that, you know, um, for like the you know like the Witch King of Angmar. There's that phenomenal painting of uh, of him on his uh, his fell beast approaching mm-hmm. Barad Dur. You could use that. You could use the picture of like Gandalf holding up his staff as he's going through the, the woods. Mm-hmm. There's, there's I, I I actually really have evocative. that pic- I have yeah. that picture in my living room. Right. Yeah. It's, it's it. the it's the cover on one of the complete volumes of the Lord yeah. of the Rings as well. But the I, I, I th- yeah I th- for me I, I feel like that that could work because it's it's such a huge part of the culture. And like like it or not, it's one of these things everyone has to kind of doff their cap to um, to Tolkien, even mm-hmm. if they don't actually like his work. So I don't know. It's, it seems kind of fitting that I, that I, a fantasy game kind of pays tribute to. Him. So like on the on the subject of them being collectors pieces, I completely agree. They'll be they they will definitely be cool collectors pieces. But at the same time, I I get where Tom is coming from. There's a pretty big disconnect between like mechanically how Magic the Gathering works to to the setting of Middle Earth. But then again, there's been a disconnect between the mechanics of Magic the Gathering and its own IP for like quite some time now anyway. That's true. I think m- my issue is, uh, and they have confirmed that this is going to be a thing, I think all of this would be fine if these were like reprints of existing cards but themed in Lord of the Rings, like sure. we get we get a Gandalf the Grey, but it's actually another card that's already been printed, and it's it's not unique for the purposes of the the game. This was one of the big issues with the Walking Dead cards, is that they are they are unique cards, and you could only ever buy them in that limited edition print run that they did, and if you didn't have the money at the time, then tough. You're gonna have. You're gonna get scalped on the secondary market if you ever want to, um, to own those cards. And the problem is, like, I think one of those cards is genuinely quite good mm-hmm. as well. So, like, people who are into like the competitive scene actually wanted that card. So, and yeah, and it means well, for, in... for me, I, I'm I'm not at all invested in the game. Yeah, so that, I, I, that's I don't fair. Really care about the mechanics, so but I, you know, I just think, oh yeah, that, you know. Lord of the Rings cards. The like, audience are missing out a bit here cool. because I've I've got the visual of Ben who's like sat back, chill as like <laughs> eh, you know whatever that's it's fine. And Josh is like leaning forward in his chair, ready to throttle presumably a CEO <laughs> at Wizards at this juncture. Um, it's quite a funny uh, comparison. <laughs> shall, shall we talk about the Warhammer Forty Thousand theming? Yeah, then? I'm sure that won't get your back up, mate. <laughs> hell <laughs> I, I don't get it oh i i get it it's money like like it's like this popular franchise and this popular franchise and uh, let's just smoosh them together and it'll work right that's how these so work like, I, I i like raspberry sorbet and i also like bacon but i wouldn't put the two together do you know what i mean <laughs> yep it's, it's it's so random. It's like aside from money, it makes no sense. It makes no sense in context of magic. It makes no sense in context of forty k. It makes nope. no <laughs> sense. Like either of these things are fine without the other one becoming remotely involved. They're not really going to do justice to forty k because it's not like they're doing a whole. Exp- I assume they're not doing a whole expansion that's themed around forty k. 
God, I hope <laughs> they're not doing a whole expansion. Is it a whole expansion? Uh, it is going to be a set of commander decks. Okay, that's still not good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, it's just, I suppose, it's not good. But if, if, they're doing a, if they're doing a set of commander decks... Is it maybe just they're you they're plugging the Magic the Gathering system into other IPs? Is that something that they're exploring? That's what it looks like. Basically, what they did with well, right? So yeah, Wizards of the Coast have confirmed that basically these are going to form a sort of subset of cards called Universes Beyond. So these are going to be cards that are set out with the Magic the Gathering IP. Uh, They are not going to be like standard legal. but you will be able to play them in things like Commander, for example, hence why uh, they're showcasing the 40k setting in uh, Commander decks. I'm, I, like, uh, like, I'll reiterate, like, I would be fine with this if it was just like them reskinning existing cards, because then that's just cool collector items, right? But they have confirmed that they're going to be making unique cards with set in these different universes. I, but I think if it's going to be its own self-contained thing, what's everyone getting so mad about? Just well, don't buy I, them if you don't want them. Yeah. I think because it's that. still so... Like, the Magic the Magic the Gathering is a system, right? I think the issue is Magic the Gathering is a, is a card gaming system, but it's also an IP, right? And it's, like, there's always been kind of, while there are different settings within that IP, they're all part of the same sort of cosmology. They're all part of the same universe. They're mm-hmm. now bringing this thing in where they're, they're taking completely unrelated things that have no relation to the, the setting or the system, to be honest, aside from bolting them into it, kind of almost forcing them into it. Because how are Space Marines or, or anything 40K going to have anything to do with mountains, plains, swamps, whatever it is? Why don't they just take their system and detach it from magic and have like, I don't know, let's call it the Wizards Universal System um, or the Hasbro Universal System and have a system that any IP could then utilise if they wanted but to that, make a That card was my game. understanding, right? Because, I mean, like, really, although although they're like mountains and swamps and all that, you could just say, like, oh, this is gamma energy, this mm. is fire energy, blah, blah, blah. You could do that, right? Mm. It's the same thing, you're just reskinning it. Mm. And maybe it's, maybe it's they will. That's what they did with Pokemon back in the 90s. Yeah, yeah, maybe they will. Um, my my concern, or my thought rather, is that I, I, it feels like a bit of a cash grab. It is a cash grab. It is. It is a cash grab. Um, and like I really like Magic's own IP. I -hmm. think it's quite it's compelling in its own right. It's an interesting universe with interesting characters. I don't think they need to use other IPs. No. Um. So, like, they should be confident in their own product. Now, if if this isn't going to impact the, like, the creation of, like, you know, other sets within their own universe, then fine. If this is all extra stuff that we're going to get, then that's not a problem. <gasps> you did not silence your phone, Thomas Mannering. Tom, Tom's ruined the podcast. That's <laughs> I'm it. so sorry. That's it. We're over. Like, we're retiring now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, are you going to read to the rest of the class? It's, it's not even a message. It's a it's an update notification from my phone. I literally just picked go. up my phone there to say to my friends, I'm going to be late coming back on Overwatch because the podcast is over running. Yeah. And I got an update notification. Sorry, do continue. That was very interesting. Um, where, where was my train of thought going? that's a question Um, we could ask anyone yeah i I mean yeah that's a question i ask myself all the time um yeah as if if it doesn't impact everything else the the rest of their release schedule then fine yeah let's have extra stuff um and you know if if you don't like it you don't have to buy it uh my concern is that i just feel like like my, my experience with magic the gathering players in the past just makes me think of that joker meme where he's in the bar so you get what you f-ing deserve. <laughs> uh, um, there was other big news about Wizards of the Coast um, at this presentation. They've changed their logo. Um, it looks bots. Yeah, it looks pretty bad. 
Um, maybe we'll get used to it. I don't, it looks. It kind of looks like a uh, 50s B-movie font yeah. in a weird oh, way. It does. It does. It's, um, it's so annoying because Wizards yeah, have had the it, same... Okay, so annoying is maybe a bit over the top. It's a it's a tad annoying because Wizards have had the same logo since I started playing D anD. I think that logo mm. sort of comes in around the same time as third edition. Um, it's certainly on the third edition books I've got in the other room, and it's such a classic. It's it's not a dated logo. I don't think their their current logo, um, and then they've gone for this really bold, like sort of corporate-y, quite cold design, and it's just this pants. Or as Ben puts well, it, but perhaps, <laughs> the, perhaps appropriately yeah. for some of the recent business decisions, I I felt that it looked like the logo of a company that whores its games out for microtransactions. <laughs> you, so, you're saying it reminds you of EA. <laughs> um, I I think more specifically, like you know, something like Riot Games or Epic right, Games. Yeah. You know, like, I'm thinking. It does have League that. League of Legends and yeah, it's, got, it's got that vibe, hasn't it? Yeah, because they're all like they're all quite sort of capital based, and I don't mean financially capital, although that as like, well. Lettering, like, <laughs> lettering capital based logos like Epic and and they're quite in your face. And this mm-hmm. is the same, you know. It's it looks like a rip off of the Alone in the Dark logo, to be honest. From the the old. That's where it, <laughs> that's where I thought, thought I recognised it. Yeah, it's just it's not good at all. Like it's. It sucks. <laughs> but um, the biggest news out of a lot of this is actually what is going on behind the scenes of Wizards of the Coast. Now, companies don't just change their logo and branding for no reason. They usually do it to signal the start of a new era. And this is the start of a big new era for Wizards of the Coast because uh, for decades they have been an, a, their own company. Um, they got purchased by Hasbro uh, years ago. But they were still an like a a company operating in its own right, owned by Hasbro. That is no longer going to be the case. Uh, the the company is now being brought into in house to uh, to I the believe, toy I giant Hasbro. The, the, they use the the very sinister term is being absorbed. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, that's all we know at the moment, uh, but this does have some pretty significant implications. Usually, when this sort of things happen, uh, this sort of thing happens, there is big changes to the structure of that organization. I don't know what this means for the staff of Wizards of the Coast. Um, I don't know if this means there's going to be a shakeup in the management of that division of Hasbro now, as they are now. Um, well, we'll find do think, out. Do you think they're going to make? Mr. Potato Head, a class in D and D now. I believe actually, I saw I saw earlier today that he is now known as Potato Head. Not Mr. They've dropped the Mister. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, Potato Heads could be a class in D and D or a race. Yeah. Well, I guess yeah, you do you do have like the the male and and the female Potato Head, but Mr. Potato Head's iconic, I think. Yeah, um, it's, it's like the Charlie Chaplin of carbohydrates. It's <laughs> just strange analogy, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> Not really very topical either. Charlie Chaplin, I mean, uh, popular artist. Uh, I mean, um, the the other. Um, damn it! I've lost my train of thought again. <laughs> that I've wasn't got, my I've fault. Just got, I've just got I, I've just got potato like Mr. Potato Head in my head now. <laughs> what about a Mr. Potato Head Magic the Gathering set? Make more sense than Warhammer Forty K. You can right. have like each, it's a bit like the right. I'm gonna I'm gonna reference the Yu-Gi-Oh card game now where you have Exodia where you have the the right arm of Mr. Potato Head the left arm of Mr. Potato Head. <laughs> you have to fuse them all together. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Uh, don't t- don't tempt him, Josh. Don't. No, 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 it's not. Don't do it, don't do it. Um, yeah, the, so the other thing is that this kind of puts paid to the mad rumours that were floating around about uh, Hasbro looking to sell Wizards of the Coast and uh, that Games Workshop were a potential buyer, um, which when I read it initially, I was like, well, that's never going to happen. Uh, but now that never will happen. 
Although... Yeah, that, that's, that sounds like complete bollocks to me, because it's like... Do, you consider how lucrative magic and D&D are, and like, I'm not sure that, that GW would be able to afford to buy wizards. Yeah, no, no. Would they, would they even want to? Like, they seem to be doing fine themselves. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, what, I, what I suspect has happened, though, is that there has been some internal shake-up within wizards, and that is what's fueled those rumours that Hasbro were getting ready to sell. Uh, but as we now know, it's to absorb them. So yeah. they did. They they, they um. I, I don't think it was specifically Wizards of the Coast, but I know that um some there was a couple of higher ups involved in D and D. Might need to cut this out if I'm misquoting, but I think there was a couple of controversies with some of them, wasn't there? A couple of senior figures in D and D. There has been over over the last couple of years. There's been nothing too severe, but there has been a a, a bit of um, sort of questioning of a few of the the higher ups' conducts and things. Um, uh, okay. Wizards do kind of present themselves as quite a sort of forward thinking company, you know, with uh, with sort of their gender politics and um, the representation of races and things like they. They changed. Well, they've been trying to kind of change the way race is represented in D and D to be a bit more um, sort of, you know, in touch with modern society. Yeah, progressive. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. Um, but I think it's like any company. If there's a lot of people involved, and I'm not excusing it by any stretch of the imagination, but if there's a lot of people involved, you know, it's it's tricky to avoid any any level of of controversy. Um, and I don't think they're they're exempt from that by any any stretch of the imagination. So there has been a bit of you know question thrown. It's quite interesting actually you bring that up because D and D Beyond, which isn't part of Wizards, it's owned by a separate company, but has very strong ties to Wizards because they provide the app for for fifth edition D and D. They've had a big sort of staff shake up, and there's a lot of and it is rumours. So uh, I'll, I'll preface that, but there is a lot of rumours that there's been you know something uh, something untoward there. As well okay. going on, so there is. It's it's just unfortunately the the way of it with these larger companies. Yeah, as Sucks. to what this means for Dungeons and Dragons and Magic the Gathering, um, they're definitely not going anywhere. Um, Hasbro has basically presented Wizards as being one of three big divisions, the other two being toys and entertainment. So that. Being a, the third part of a humongous corporation uh, that manufactures toys and entertainment products, uh, that we're not going to see either game disappear soon. Um, will it mean there'll be significant changes to those games, though? Well, we've seen uh, the announcements with I, uh, Magic the Gathering dabbling in different IPs. Maybe they're going to do something similar for Dungeons & Dragons as well. Um that would make a bit more sense if I'm being honest. Just having roll twenty settings for different IPs. So there was um, there was a lot of issue back in the oldie days when D and D was off owned by TSR, um, where TSR would would meddle. And my my big concern is Hasbro, while they have obviously had a, a big stake in Wizards for a very long time, I I don't want people who who make toys dictating role-playing game settings you know i don't want to transform as dnd setting <clears throat> well the, the fact of the matter is it's not even people who make toys uh, at the level it is people, people that make money yeah. yeah sure okay to, to be yeah a bit more specific yeah you know i don't, I don't want boardrooms of people who, who have no touch with the 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 role-playing community making those yeah. kinds of decisions because if you look Keep at those the, bean counters away from our books, <laughs> right? Because I mean, like the the people who who write D anD D at the moment, who are, are who make a lot of the decisions, are gamers. You know, they're they're yeah, people, yeah, yeah. You know, people like Mike Merles, Chris Perkins. You know, people who've been heavily involved in in both the hobby and the community for decades. Um, you, you really don't want that that level of control being taken away, and I'm not saying it will be, but if it is, it could be really detrimental. Yeah. That's my concern as well, but 
yeah. as to how it plays out, we just have to wait and see, right? Yeah, I, I can understand why people do have reservations about it, though. It's always a wee bit oh, yeah. when when a company like gets absorbed by a bigger one. Um, I'm, I, I, I dare say I, I, there's, there's none that spring to mind immediately, but um, it doesn't always end well. Exactly. Um, and, you know, it, like, it could I've be... I've just thought of one. I've just oh. thought of one. Um, is the uh, a lot of the studios that were bought by Microsoft a lot of that ended in tears, didn't it? A lot of yeah. quite beloved game studios like Lionhead went yep. went under. Yeah, oh, with the uh, Bioware as well. Like they yeah, yeah. They, yeah. they changed Bioware from being really kind of focused on you know solid content to well Anthem by way of example. <laughs> I was just about to say Anthem, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So hopefully we don't we don't go that way. It also brings up the... Uh, it, it's another trend that we're seeing in tabletop gaming in general of, um, you know, consolidation of all these smaller companies. And, like, Wizards was by no means a small company, but it's just a continuation of that trend, right? You know, Asmodee is slowly buying up everything else. Like, are we going to get to... The, the, sorry, Josh. The, I was just mm-hmm. going to say, I think the thing that I personally find most worrying about... Um, Wizards being fully absorbed is what What does this mean for a lot of these uh, by the way really great companies and writers that make supplements for D&D because they, yeah. they, they've, they've been allowed to exist quite happily and and everyone, uh, I think, by I mean, you you get great stuff like Odyssey, the Dragon Lords. There's loads of it. There's loads of stuff out there that uses the D and D system. Mm-hmm. So that's There's interesting. A... Uh, sorry, Josh, talk over you as well. Was... Go ahead. Go. No, on, on you go. No, Tom. please, sir. Uh, please, you... I, I insist. <laughs> after you. My, I, I am not an expert on copyright law by any stretch of the imagination unless uh, I am handing you a business card with Josh Hartley, uh, attorney at law, written, like, handwritten <laughs> for you. But, so there's um, going to be, a, there's gonna be a, a spin-off to Hartley's way. <laughs> um, <laughs> took me a minute. But... Um, my understanding is that those those supplements are allowed to exist because of a quirk of copyright law. You can copyright IP, but you cannot copyright game mechanics. Um, Tom's shaking his head, so have I got this wrong? Yeah, slightly. Yeah. So it's you can copyright game mechanics to a to an extent. D and D falls under something called the Open Gaming License, which is basically because Dungeons and Dragons is such a a broad spanning system and encompasses a massive amount of how role-playing games can function really and and games of that nature there was a lawsuit uh back in third edition where basically people wanted to make content that would be compatible with that kind of system and and there was an agreement that kind of came to with i don't know if it was wizards or someone else or tsr who was involved Mm -hmm. at the time but there was a an agreement that was made and it was it was called the open gaming license where basically you can use wizard systems so you can use the 5th edition systems, 3rd edition systems. I don't know if it applies for 4th edition systems, but I, I'm sure it will do. Um, <laughs> no one wants no to write one supplements to. for 4th yeah. edition anyway, um, so it's all good. <laughs> you can basically use the systems, so strength, dex, con, the skill sets, things like that. Mm-hmm. You cannot use the IP. So you can't right. use stuff from like the Forgotten Realms. You can't refer to characters like Tasha or... Um, who's the other one, uh, like Mordenkainen, characters from the IP of Wizards who might be referenced in spells. So you have to take that element out. Sure. Um, so if you look at any of like the, the things like uh, Odyssey of the Dragon Lords, they will use the rules, but they won't refer to the settings because that's where the copyright lies for, for D&D. Mm-hmm. So a little bit of uh, legal trivia for you there. So if you, uh, if you want to look into it, it's the, uh, the open gaming license and the uh, systems referral document, otherwise known as the SRD. Should have just let you talk, Tom. It's fine. I like I like Tom mattering legal eagle there. (laughs) (laughs) Again, again though. So this has obviously happened already, but again, Ben, I think your point still stands. It's now someone else's 
baby. Yeah. Who knows it's what now, they, it's now they might Wizards of the Coast. It's now no longer Wizards of the Coast lawyers we have to worry about. It's Hasbro's lawyers. That's yeah. a world of a difference there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, look, obviously we're going to keep an eye on what happens and we will let you guys know what news develops as and when it comes out. Um, but given that the recording is now at one hour, 12 minutes long, um, I think we best call it a night. So look, guys, thank you very much for listening. Until next time, take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.